0: All right, welcome to another edition of the Celtics Lab podcast brought to you by BetOnline.ag. I'm your host, Cameron bye led by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. It is between Game 4 and Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals, so to break down the matchup between the Celtics and the Heat, we're again on friend of the podcast, Kyle Russell from the Heater's Gonna Heat podcast. Kyle, how are you? So
1: far so good,
0: even after last night, how about y'all? we're probably doing better on the Celtic side of the street than the heat side of the street, but it's a tie series. So let's Um, Alex, I mean, you summarized it pretty well in the DMS that you have no idea what's going on with this series anymore. Nope. Um, But can't, yeah.
2: Can't make a single prediction because I literally don't know who's going to be playing on a game to game basis.
0: Yeah, we'll get into that. We're going to do what has been lopsided games um, and all that jazz Right off the top, Ben from the Celtics Reddit podcast, if you're listening, thanks for the uh, mic tip. Hopefully my audio is much improved. Definitely user error because Alex and I use the same mic. Um, anyways, I want to start with a stat that I heard on the Hoop Collective podcast, just shouting out as many podcasts as I can. Uh, according to Windhorst there have been four lead changes in this entire series. Um, and I think that's been really punctuated by particularly lopsided quarters. And we can start with last night's first quarter, Kyle. The Heat, that was the lowest point total in 25 years uh, playoff Miami basketball that first quarter. Um, At one point, the Celtics led 18 to one. What are your thoughts? So when I was looking at this one, I was thinking about the lopsided
1: quarters in this series. Primarily the thing that stood out has been uh, in three of the games where we've had these lopsided quarters it has been primarily the defense clamping down an opponent. So we think, mm-hmm. you know, like third quarter third quarter game one was primarily locking down the Celtics. And sure, the Heat offense was kind of going a little bit, but for the most part, it was the defense. Same in game three, the first quarter, and then also game four as well, just defensive performances. And the only outlier is game two, which is primarily just Boston shooting so crazy that no amount of defense is really going to do anything. So what I'm seeing in the lopsided quarters is just, A lot of it is either the team is completely locking in on the defensive end or on the offensive end, one team is just shooting so well that it doesn't even matter.
0: Yeah, Alex and Justin, you know, we've seen the Celtics lose quarters to the Heat, 39 to 14, 39 to 18. This time around, they won the first 29 to 11. Um, Alex, what did Kyle miss in assessing what's going on with these outrageously lopsided quarters?
2: Well, I mean, I think the story of this series is also it just has to be taken into account that um health is a critical factor for every minute of this series, every quarter of this series. And, you know, obviously, both of these teams came into this game pretty banged up. The Celtics were missing Marcus Smart. Robert Williams came back after uh, more soreness in his knee and he, you know, played pretty well, but that flared up later. But, you know, when I was watching the game last night, the thing that occurred to me is that basically Boston decided to go to a drop defense really early and have Al Horford and Robert Williams lock up the paint and then basically dare the Miami Heat to beat them off the dribble and try and get into the kind of soft parts of that defense and hit jump shots. And Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry were out there, but they just didn't have the same burst that's necessary to kind of punish Boston when they go to a drop defense when they send Horford and um Rob and when they did that in game 1 uh Miami I thought actually did a pretty nice job punishing that defense with mid-range from Jimmy Butler getting to the line hitting open threes Gabe Vincent and stuff like that in this game it just struck me that the burst that those guys had in the first couple of games was really not present and it seemed like Miami um is has taken kind of a beating in their backcourt specifically I'll yeah.
1: I uh, just wanted to throw in there real quick alongside that uh, to your point, like, yeah, the Celtics did a great job closing down the paint. And usually the counter has been try to get to the mid range, try to get to the threes. Uh, particularly what I saw was players that it almost looked like there was, I mean, to the Celtics credit, they played great defense. They forced the heat into difficult shots, but some of the looks that I saw the heat make, they, sorry, the, the heat got, they would usually still make, um, but they just seem to be on a lit on the basket for certain players, primarily Max Druse, zero for seven. PJ Tucker over four, and though Gabe Vincent finished two for ten, he started out the first uh, the first three quarters over five. So when you have those three role players not really doing anything for the Heat, that it feeds into what Boston's already trying to do.
3: I would add just a little bit to that in that there isn't as much mystery, I think, as people seem to think, going on with this uh, particular series, in that Miami's offense. Only works really, really well when two things are happening. Jimmy Butler is healthy and playing like Jimmy Butler. And more importantly, when they can get out in transition based on your team making a mistake. When the Celtics forget to take good care of the ball, when the Celtics aren't healthy enough and have to play players who are exploitable, then they become easy targets for the Heat and they get blown out. When the opposite happens, there is not much in the way for Miami to get their offense going. We saw that particularly with Jimmy not being himself. And I think that health is going to be absolutely paramount moving forward to to paraphrase Alex and probably every other person who's been watching the series.
1: (laughs) But to build on that, too, you go back to game three. How did Miami survive with that lead through the second half was the defense to offense with all the turnovers?
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, that's been the story of the, the whole series is the healthy team is usually in the driver's seat, but the team that puts on defensive clamps uh, also has a big say in the matter. Um, I'd love to shout out just while we're talking about that first quarter, Derek White, who came out lo- like a starter. I mean, he's a six man, he's a bench player, but in the absence of Marcus Smart, he really, we, he wasn't a wallflower. He was really involved. Um, I don't know off him like eight shots in the first quarter alone or something like that. Um, I think he maybe, like
1: had the first 10 for y'all or something along those lines.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's, that's another place where I think the Celtics, we'll talk about this in our game five preview where the Celtics have an advantage. is just a little more depth, but also a little more flexibility. Um, and t- as co-president Alex of the Derek Coy fan club uh, that, that rocked um, Kyle, I'm going to, I'm going to keep things with the Celtics perspective here. Jason Tatum, was not good in game three. And there were concerns that Boston's best player was maybe not ready for the moment. Uh, I definitely had those concerns. What do you see? What did you see from, I mean, it's parenthetical. What did you see from Jason Tatum in game four, but more accurately, what do you see outside of from your outside of Boston perspective in Jason Tatum?
1: So I've said this on the, the, He's He going to heat podcast. Uh, Jason Tatum to me is someone that is very clearly in the top 10 and knocking pretty loudly on the top five. So I got to at least give him the respect for that uh, in terms of differences between games three and four, primarily what I saw was game three, he didn't have his jumper going and pretty much just decided to phase himself out from there and, and seed more to Jalen Brown who ended up with his 40 points, but a good number of turnovers game four. He almost adopted kind of that Jimmy Butler mindset of I don't have the jumper going. Well, cool. I'm just going to get to the rim. And though I do think the rest were holding, well, sorry, not holding back. They were allow, not allowing as much physicality and calling the fouls a little bit more often in game four. Tatum took advantage of that, and he ended up with, what, like 14-16 from the free-throw line, most of that coming in the first half as, as they kept the heat at bay. So, so props to him.
0: Alex and Justin, I'm going to ask for 30 seconds on a player of your choice and to give you time to think. I'm going to talk about Victor Oladipa, who uh, Kyle is same, same, but different. He was really the only heat player capable of going and, and getting busy and the paint and getting fouled. Um, huge disparity in the number of free throws between these two teams, but that's a little by design. And if Miami's going to keep pace with that, they're going to need guys who can attack. And quite frankly, they just don't really have the personnel. Um, but Victor Oladipo looked like the Victor Oladipo of old, really getting involved, calling his own number and, and in a useful way. So um, I don't know that the the Heat have enough guys doing that, especially if Butler's knee is no good and and Kyle Lowry is, barely able to walk. Um, but that Victor Oladipo could come in and and I, I don't know, six free throws in pretty short order in that second quarter or something like that. I think that was huge for keeping Miami at least like interesting in the game, which, which is not saying much, but moving forward uh, could be pretty big. Um, Alex and Justin, uh, a player, spare thought, 30 seconds or so on
2: Sure. Um, so I'm going to talk about the most important player for the Miami Heat this series, which is Bam Adebayo. Um, sure. You know, Bam Adebayo in game three was a dominant force. He completely took apart the Celtics on the interior. He had far and away his best game in the series. And I think one thing that we're kind of learning about this Heat team is that for Miami to be the best version of themselves, they need Bam to be super involved on the offensive end. In game three, they did a pretty good job of that, primarily by having Bam set screens and then roll to the rim and then hitting him with passes in the pocket so that he could get loose around the rim, clean up offensive rebounds, and then uh, just kind of control the interior for the entire game. This time around, Robert Williams came back and Bam looked extremely tentative going to the rim. Uh, He settled for a lot of those kind of some like kind of short roll, mid-range pull-ups that have some effectiveness when they're rolling, but really should not be the focal point of his offense. If Bam is going to be succeeding in this series and uh making an impact, he's going to need to score around the rim. And Robert Williams' presence there, I think, made him a little bit gun shy to try and uh overwhelm the Celtics front court with the physicality that he displayed in game three. At the end of the day, Jimmy Butler is an incredible basketball player. Um, but If Jimmy Butler is going to have to drop 40 every night for Miami to win, they are not going to win this series. They need Bam Adebayo to get going and they need him to get going consistently. And I do kind of wonder with Boston going back to the drop defense with Robert Williams back in the game, um, what is Spolstra going to do to free up Bam and make things a little bit easier for us? Because if they can't do that, Miami is in some trouble here, I think.
3: I would counter to that hypothetical question you just raised and say that they're going to hope that Robert's knee bothers him. That is what they are going to do in that particular case. I I think that for the player I'm going to pick for this little 30 second segment is Jalen Brown, because it would be easy to pick Robert Williams, for example, as a key example of a player who really impacts the game for Boston. But Let's take a look. We talked about Jalen's, I think it was six turnovers, six or seven turnovers in his last game. And he was fairly turnover prone in this game too. His high dribble, his tendency to charge into crowds of Heat defenders as if it was two seasons ago. Mm -hmm. It's just like whatever, well, I know exactly what it is. The Heat get in your head and they make you play the way they want you to play. And that's what's happening with him. And if the Heat are going to have a way to crawl back into this uh, encounter, it's going to be by attacking him or Peyton Pritchard. Now, Peyton Pritchard, you can take off the floor, but you can't have Jalen Brown off the floor in this series. So this is the particular player I think that needs to be looking at their game the most in terms of controlling the ball, not turning it over, making the right read. It's going to be really critical for Jalen, I think, in this next game to really have one of his better games, not necessarily even scoring, just not creating opportunities for the other team to score. Zach, exactly. another the defense
1: to offense.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's where Miami actually gets offensive opportunities because it's not really a great half-court team. Um, Justin, I think that's a really good point because uh, I've written about and talked about Jason Tatum's turnovers – um, he's averaging up 4.75 per game this series, which is a huge number, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. It's usually in the art of playmaking. Sometimes he gets his pocket picked because um, that Miami defense is a little tough, but Jalen, it does to your point. It's like a truly unforced error. Um, I, a lot of these turnovers and those are difficult to stomach. Um, we got to talk about all these injuries. Uh, we'll talk about where they're going to show up in game five, but we can talk quickly about where they showed up in game four. Um, Tyler hero, uh, Pretty early scratch, Justin or Kyle, or I guess Alex. Anyone have an update on that? It's 5.20 East Coast time on Tuesday. Great timing
2: on this, Cam, actually. I literally just saw an update from the Miami Heat uh, who released their official entry report for tomorrow. As of now, Tyler Hero is listed as questionable, along with P.J. Tucker, Gabe Vincent, Max Bruce, and Kyle Lowry. Uh, Jimmy Butler, notably, is not listed as questionable. He is, it by all accounts, looks like going to play. Is
0: he listed at all?
2: Uh, he's not listed. Implication, I think, being that Jimmy Butler is going to be out there.
0: Yeah. yeah um, in
1: regards to the, the injuries, that's good to know. I, I know I had looked up about like an hour or so ago, but they hadn't listed the report. At the time, it had only been Hero um, in regards to the injuries, I think really for Miami, it comes down to three, which is Kyle Lowry's hamstring, although we know he's probably going to play Jimmy Butler's knee, although you know he's probably going to play, and then as a potential X factor, Tyler Hero's groin. Uh, mm-hmm. That could go away to explain the bad series, sorry, yeah, bad series he's had for the most part in this one, but he's had a pretty bad playoffs overall, but I can still see a world, his groin's fine, that helps him get that jumper going, and maybe he can have an efficient game but i think those three are the big injuries for for miami and everybody else sure they've been listed on the reports but they've always still played and, and still somewhat been effective
0: yeah we can we'll, we'll double back when we talk about game five but it, it was clear that jimmy was not right he didn't have that much lift in game four it's, it's so clear kyle lowry just can't even run up it down the floor um, um on and- the
1: butler thing real quick one thing i did also forget to mention um he, it definitely looked like he was avoiding contact in game four yeah. that he would usually use to try to get to the free throw line. And that, that's part of his game, unfortunately. He does not have the jumper, so he has mm-hmm. to supplement it with the free throws. If he's too injured to do that, it, lim- it limits his effectiveness greatly. Yeah, there's
0: a lot of – I mean, Twitter's a really toxic, stupid place that we spend <laughs> way too much time on. I just a number of people, they got to play through it, they got to play through it. Easier said than done. I, I mean, just because you're standing there and wearing your little outfit doesn't mean that you can play basketball the same way that you want to. There, there, there are limitations of the body and of the mind. Um, I have a messed up
1: toe right now, and I'm not playing basketball, so I can't uh, even imagine like a messed up knee or ankle.
0: Like what Marcus Smart's going through. I had Kyle with a list of banged up Heat players, and for the Celtics, that oh. they they, um, they have some injuries as well. Right before we started recording this, we learned that Marcus Smart and Robert Williams are questionable. As of 5:20 Tuesday, East Coast time, uh, for Game Five, and we know that Jason Tatum's shoulder is really bothering him. I mean, I don't know how many threes that like barely grazed the front of the rim that he took in Game Four.
3: Forget about Jalen Brown's hamstrings, also. They have been talking about them, but it is something that isn't just going to disappear. Maybe he's still tight. Maybe he's not. They're not talking about it. The fact that Jimmy Butler is not on the injury report does not have me convinced even slightly that. He is not injured. It just has me convinced he's definitely going to play. So, I mean, we have to take all of these injury reports with a grain of salt because there is gamesmanship for planning going on as well. Sure.
0: And at this point in the season, a lot has been made of the number of injuries this season. We do this every year, every postseason. some TV, uh, shock jockey gets on and talks about "Oh, the injuries this year, blah, 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 blah. It's every year. Just you take the good with the bad, you hope for the best. And usually the team's, Standing at the end were teams that got a little lucky. Um, We'll talk about Marcus Smart and his absence or perhaps return in a second, but we should make mention of the fact that he won the 2022 NBA Hustle Award. The second time he's won that award since 2018-2019. Kyle, were you to hand out the award to a member of the Miami Heat, who would you give that award to? I mean, can't look
1: past P.J. Tucker, unfortunately. He has been the hustle player for Miami this entire playoffs. Like, mm-hmm. Trey Young in the first round, P.J. Tucker on him. James Harden in the second round, P.J. Tucker on him. Jason Tatum in the third round, P.J. Tucker on him. I don't think anybody has hustled more than P.J. Tucker for the Miami Heat, but still give uh, props out to Marcus Smart for winning it for himself just because, like, uh, the dude looked like he was out after game three with that inkling that and He still came back to play. So, dude,
0: definitely hustles. Mark? And shout out to PJ Tucker. I mean, yeah, there are a few players on the heat that if the Celtics aged into those roles, I'd be really happy in five to 10 years. i um, thinking of uh, Al Horford becoming the next Udonis Haslam who I love you and Udonis Haslam. I'm so sorry that this series seems to be weighing very heavily on your mind. All right. We'll talk about game five in just a moment, but I want to pause the action to talk about our friends at betonline.ag, the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. BetOnline.ag hosts the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting, and of course, your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code CLNS50 at sign up to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Online, where the game starts. Right now, Steph Curry is still, for the betting man or woman, uh, the finals, the prohibitive finals MVP. And um, if you took that action a little bit ago, I think you're probably sitting pretty. Um, Jason Tatum has been flirting between the second, third, and fourth spot. Um, so depending on how you feel about game five, there might be some value there with Taco J. Anyways, before we talk about finals MVP, let's talk about Wednesday night's game. And we got to start with the injuries um kyle i'll go to you first and i will give you unfortunately marcus smart robert williams kyle lowry uh tyler hero jimmy butler jason tatum or anyone else which injury do you think is most consequential again given the caveat that we don't know who exactly is or isn't playing wednesday
1: so for both sides i think it's hands down robert williams uh, we've because let's just look at the disparity between game three and four and especially the impact on Bam Adebayo like sure on the one hand he could have tried to be more aggressive and still go at the rim and try to get something going even if it was just at the free throw line but on the other hand Robert Williams is very clearly having an impact on him on the defensive end and then also on the offensive end for the Celtics uh, just having those dump ball pass to William get those easy dunks it's just an easy source of offense for the Celtics so If you tell me he's out, I think that's the biggest one of the biggest injury things that could swing in Miami's favor. Uh, But then if he's in, obviously that swings towards the Celtics as well.
3: I actually disagree a little bit in that I think that Jimmy Butler is the most impactful potential injury just because if the Celtics stay out of their own way and don't turn the ball over, they can survive Robert Williams not being there. They have the big man depth against a team like Miami, where it's not absolutely critical that they have that many big bodies available, they can still go small and win. But if Jimmy Butler isn't able to help generate offense the way he usually is, I just don't see how they can possibly score on the Celtics' defense.
1: Yeah, we need a hot three-point shooting performance from like Struess, Vincent, and the rest.
3: Absolutely. Our host <laughs> is muted.
0: Muted. we've been doing this for literally three years now um i don't mean to disparage Gabe vincent or max truce or the g league but it's really heroic what the heat are doing given where their roster has come from um because some of these role players again i they gotta start somewhere look at jordan Poole. um but i think it's so remarkable that the heat are doing what they're doing i mean shout out to those guys and shout out to Spo because that we might have a former G League player or someone that the Celtics cut come in and save the day for the heat. is really awesome. I mean, that's why we love playoff basketball. It's not just the stars, it's the Cinderella's. Um, so building on that real quick. So Gabe Vincent and Max Struess were two way
1: contract players for the heat last year, this year, they were legitimate starters in an Eastern conference playoff game. Like mm-hmm. that's how far it came in such a short amount of time.
3: Almost as if it's useful to use your G-League affiliate as a farm
2: system. <coughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> Win on uh, the margins. No, no, no. G-Leagues are about getting players to shell, sell T-shirts for. That's purely <laughs> it. That's what it's about.
3: Love these Taco. Nothing personal. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Justin, <laughs> can I put you on the spot and just give us... Again, I don't know how relevant this will be when people listen to it, but... with What's the most up-to-date information on Robert Williams' knees as best as you know?
3: So we, like I said earlier, there's lots of gamesmanship going on. It's really hard to say what the coaches of a respective team actually believe versus what they're going to tell us. And what we heard today from Ime is that he doesn't know. That he was 15 minutes away from finding out what was going to happen with his knee during the press conference. And there hasn't uh, been anything specific to that, whether or not, like, yeah, he's questionable, but he's probably going to be questionable regardless of what happened. Uh, Reading between the tea leaves, uh, I'm suspecting that Rob is feeling discomfort after every game. He was clearly feeling after this game. And I think he's probably going to play unless he really, really can't moving forward, as long as there's no structural issues that they're concerned about. Um, so it's really just a matter of pain tolerance. I think it's going to be the same thing with the heat players and frankly with smart though, with two different frames in the same foot, uh, it may have something even beyond his pain tolerance to overcome. So.
0: I, I totally agree with that. It does occur to me that Smart was standing and running around and walking around yeah. sideline. Um, not my body, not my choice. Um, but Come on, dude.
3: Maybe sit Alex in a chair. has feelings. What is Alex thinking?
2: I mean, I just my feelings are that every fiber of my body is telling me that Marcus Smart is not healthy enough to play in this next game. But I also know Marcus Smart, having watched him for the amount of years that I have, and I I think Marcus Smart might actually fight somebody to get on the court uh, for Game Five. I I you know it's weird. Like I feel like. I, I feel like there's a reasonably good chance that he's going to play. I don't know if he's going to physically be able to move, but I think he's going to try to play anyway because he's a crazy person. Yeah,
3: I want to
2: see...
1: The, nah, uh, just to... Yeah, go yeah real on. quick. Oh, you go, um, you go. Okay, sorry. Uh, just to build out real quick, I do see Marcus Smart kind of like, like you know, it's Sussex's version of Draymond Green or Jimmy Butler in that you literally are going to have to strap them down to not to keep them from not playing in a game regardless of health status effectivity will be the question not availability
3: yeah yeah I think that with smart it might be better for him to be the the Rob Williams game seven available uh, for the last round where he was technically available to play but they were only going to use him in a disaster situation that just didn't arise so mm-hmm. I think that's the way to go if he is you know pushing to play tell him that
1: oh one more thing as well um you know, winning this and tying this series two two also gives you the option of maybe you don't have to play him in game five because you know you have that game six. Little bit.
3: Maybe.
2: <laughs> I like I don't I'm
1: know.
3: I'm always really like you never ever ever want to give up on a playoff game, in my opinion. I mean, I, yeah. I know I was tweeting about it last night, but the heat. Looked so banged up that, in my opinion, that was probably the wiser decision. But I mean, unless literally your whole team is as banged up as Miami's looks like they were last game, maybe, you know, punting on a playoff game is not the right move. It's really hard to say.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I just don't know that the Celtics as currently constructed, even as well as they have been playing in the kind of later stages of the playoffs. I just don't know that they can bank on like, yeah, we're definitely going to win on the road in Miami in game seven. There's just too many variables that go into effect, you know, home crowd health Uh, in in a game seven. If the crowd gets going, that's when people like Max Struess or Duncan Robinson can get hot for no reason. If I'm the Celtics and, if Marcus Smart is actually able to go, I feel like you have to put him out there and try and close this thing out in six because game seven on the road would be a big task for them.
1: Plus a game seven means they've been playing every other day since game three yeah, of the Bucks, exactly. which is just insane to think about.
0: Yeah. And I was going to use this factoid for game five, but we can use it for game seven. The Heat right now are seven and one at home in the postseason, the second best mark, uh, obviously behind the Warriors. The Celtics, for what it's worth, are 5-2 and two on the road in the postseason. That's the best mark in the playoffs as well. So, yeah, we can worry about Game 7s when we get there. Let's worry about Game 5 for a second. Kyle, the dreaded Miami Heat zone didn't seem to work that well against Boston. It looked like Jason Tatum looked around. saw No one was guarding him 18 feet from the basket and was happy enough to shoot. What do you think the Heat do defensively, um, either from the jump or down the stretch in Game 5? What kind of scheme are you hoping they employ or thinking they'll employ?
1: So, really, I think, like, when I was looking back at the zone, I was looking over through the, the replay of this game, uh, what I noticed a lot of is back to the impact that Robert Williams has on the zone, where Bam Adebayo can't leave him alone. Like, P.J. Tucker can't contest that dump-off pass or that lob threat. It has to be Bam Adebayo. But if you're doing the zone, he has to more patrol and can't really stick to Robert Williams. So, I imagine they probably dial – well. I, whether they do zone or not may actually depend upon the lob threats that Robert Williams or Grant Williams can be. If Robert Williams is out, maybe try more zone. If he's in, maybe you try it a little bit, but as soon as it gets punctured, you go back to more man-to-man. So you can try to keep Bam out bio on him and at least cut off the lob. And then, yeah, just everything after that is you know, the usual defensive principle. I mean, both these teams pretty well know each other by this point. It's just who can get the shots to fall
2: there is one thing that I think is somewhat Rob proof with regard to the zone, which is that regardless of whether it's going to be Robert Williams out there as the lab threat, Al Horford and Jason Tatum now know how to take apart a zone from the top of the key. Those guys I thought were really in sync last night, getting quick penetration into the middle of the floor and then setting up teammates for passes or uh, having the option to drive to the rim and get free throws. Now, obviously, the officiating does matter a lot. If they're calling it tight, it's going to be easier for the Celtics to bust a zone if they're calling it a little bit looser and letting him play, then that could work as a mix up. And I agree, ultimately, the main zone buster for the Celtics is Robert Williams in the dunker spot. But I do think that there is a way that they can handle it without him. I'm a little bit less worried about the zone defense specifically. I am more worried and have always been worried about just the turnovers that Miami can create, particularly when they blitz and uh, when they have Jimmy Butler kind of roving off ball as a person who can just intercept careless passes. So it'll be interesting to see defensively how Miami adjusts and uh, who's going to be out there for Boston. But I think the zone is certainly not the fear factor thing that it was in 2020 where the Celtics just had no answers for it
1: and build on the turnover thing real quick. One thing I still noticed in game four was Miami getting their hands and passing lanes and into ball handlers. It just wasn't turning into those steals. Like it was going out of bounds or rolling to another Celtics player. So they're still going to try that. Like they're still going to try to put the Celtics in the turnovers. It'll just be the question of how the Celtics minimize the damage from that.
0: Justin, I'm going to flip the script. I want to talk about the Celtics defense, um, which, you know, last night, was firmly in control, but it not, has not always been the case. Um, what do you think is important for Boston to continue to do, um, especially if they're down key personnel?
3: Ultimately, it's to lean into the defensive identity just because that sets up their offense. That prevents the number one tool the Heat have at their disposal for beating the Celtics. It seems super reductive and incredibly uninteresting in terms of an analytical perspective to say play better. Uh, <laughs> but that's really, that's really what it comes down to. Just don't make dumb decisions. Don't shoot early in the clock. Move the ball. Stick to your fundamentals. Do the things that got you there. I feel like I'm Grant Williams right now, mic mm-hmm. up on the sidelines. So, I mean, I,
0: Can I hop in and steal yeah. that? I, I think that that is so critical is the, the Celtics defense talks. You can hear it yeah. on the broadcast, not just in the wired segment, just like if you're listening um, and you can see the body language when they're switching, when they're doing a quasi zone, it's a very cohesive active choice. And you can see when they, they stop doing that um, in the same way that their offense stagnates because they're a little young, the defense falls apart when they're a little young. So that keep playing well or play better is not for nothing because the Celtics team sometimes just doesn't play up to its standard. Um, specifically, obviously we've talked about on offense, but on defense too.
2: Yeah. i uh, just, sorry, just one more thing to jump in with regard to the conversation around defense. It's interesting because I think you're, but you are completely right, Justin for the Celtics. They simply need to just play better and with more communication and more engagement than they have been for most of the series on the defensive end in short spurts, they've been great, but I think that's doubly so the case because of how Miami's offense works Miami's offense, when they are going in transition or, um, off of an offensive rebound or off of a steal, uh, they are scoring at a rate of 1.36 points for possession, which is alarmingly good. But like Miami absolutely kills you when they get turnovers and they get rebounds and get a chance to get out and run uh, when they have to play half court or when they are playing off of a Boston make or made free throw that drops down to 0.97. So the chasm between what Miami is able to do offensively when they get uh, rebounds, when they get in transition, and when they get, uh, you know, steals and turnovers is so huge between that and their half court offense often makes in a lot of ways, this series really does come down to Boston's execution on defense throughout the full 24 seconds of the shot clock they have to be disciplined on rebounds they have to secure boards they have to minimize those turnovers and if they do that that forces Miami to play in a half court offense which they still really have not solved in any meaningful way and it's just it's really staggering how much this is there for the Celtics if they don't just like shoot themselves in the foot.
1: The, the ironic thing of Miami's offense is that they had kind of solved the problem in the regular season by being the best three-point shooting team in the league. And then come playoff time, that's just falling off a cliff. Hence now we've had to resort to these more grind out tactics. Like to your point, why does the defense offense work so well? Cause most of the time it's a Jimmy Butler popping the ball out or Victor Oladipo popping it out and getting easy points that way. Um, I, I find it funny the defense talks because I could also very much picture Eric Spolstra giving that exact same speech as well. Like these two teams are, are very identical in the sense yeah. of defense first teams that just try to lock you down there. Um, and that both just kind of just need to play better on that end.
3: Man, you're fired. I'm yeah. I'm
0: <laughs> play better Cameron. Um, <laughs> All right. I have three sentence, sentence starters to give you three gentlemen. We'll do them one by one um, and I'll ask you to respond in 30 seconds to a minute or something like that. Let me start with you, Kyle. And let me start with my first prompt game five. Who is going to have the, the most important game for their team? You could pick a heat player or a Celtics player, but the biggest X factor player in game five is going to be. They bio. I mean,
1: we, we saw the potential of what happens if he actually turns it on in Game 3 uh, and then the flip side of when he does not in Game 4. But if he can come out and, it, 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 again, it does not have to be, you know, one of those 10 to 12 games where it's hyper-efficient. Just get 20 attempts up, try to get to the line, and muck, muck it up that way. Um, but I would give Bam out of bio to be the biggest X factor for Game 5.
0: Justin, I'll go to you first. Uh, Heat player or Celtics player, the biggest X-Factor player in game five is going to be?
3: If it's not Bam, I mean, I really want to vote for Bam as well because he <laughs> is—he really is their best shot at, at pulling out this series. Uh, then I'm going to go with Robert Williams, even though I said Jalen Brown is more important, and he is potentially, I have confidence that Jalen Brown is going to for at least enough to get ahead one game in the next game. I think his his game in particular, I don't know if the Celtics are going to win the next game, but I'm very confident Jalen will have a bounce-back game. So I'm going to say that Rob is going to be the key, because Rob and Jalen having a good game would be enough, I think, to get Boston over the top, barring a performance of the ages from Jimmy or Bam. But either of those players, it's definitely on the table. Uh, I think that there's very little reason to believe that we will be seeing Marcus Smart in the next game. It's possible. I would be, you know, mind blown, but if someone who is not Bam, who is going to radically transform the game, it would have to be Rob, in my opinion.
1: All right, And arguably because of some of the impact he could have on Bam. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Rob's off the board. Bam's off the board. Alex Goldberg, the biggest X-Factor player, Heat or Celtics? You know. In game five.
2: The biggest X-Factor player in this entire series and for the entire playoff run for the Celtics has been Jason Tatum. And that's the guy I'm going to go with. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, if Jason Tatum gets it rolling at the level that he's capable of getting it rolling, there is not a single defensive answer in the game for it. He is that good. And I think that he hasn't really had in this series The signature game that he had, for example, in game six against Milwaukee last series, he just hasn't had, you know, he's had good games. Don't get me wrong. Jason Tatum, I think, has played, for the most part, extremely good basketball outside of game three in this series. But he hasn't had the signature, I have arrived, true superstar game that can really put the Celtics in control of this matchup. I think that there's a chance that game five is that game, but at the same time, Tatum's shoulder did not look great last night. He was getting to the rim. He was scoring points off of free throws. The jumper was falling well short for most of last night, so I'll be really interested to see what he comes out and brings from an offensive standpoint, but even more so we haven't seen the same level of defensive intensity from Jason Tatum that we saw on the Bucks series when I think he played perhaps the best defense of his career in that series. um, He was flying all over the place, disrupting passing lanes, getting into ball handlers and uh, forcing turnovers. And while he's been good defensively this series, he hasn't been great defensively. So going forward into game five, the player who has the most control of how this goes the true x factor is jason tatum if he gets unlocked at the level that he was able to get to in the buck series and in the net series before that i just i don't see an answer for him on the floor
1: yeah building on that real quick um one of the one of the factors that i put in for miami when i was doing the preview of this series was can jimmy butler play to the level of jason tatum game one a little bit better game two matched him though it was still a blowout because of the other factors um three well this is a bad tatum game four i mean obviously went completely jason tatum's way and now let's see what what happens in five it because jimmy's injured so he might not be able to do it so i don't even think you need necessarily a great jason tatum game just be good
3: but he's not on the injury report you're saying he's injured but not on the injury report <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm saying Jim Butler will play through injury. Again, True. it's, it's True.
3: Avail- not the question
0: of availability,
1: but effectiveness.
0: Uh, thanks for playing everyone. The correct answer was Al Horford. Um, just because he deserves a moment in the sun, uh, the shooting. If that can come back in a big, big way. I mean, I don't give it. It's been a while. I don't give a fuck what's in the box score. Just watch Al Horford. That's how you play basketball. Um, unless you are, Zeus's son, and you can shoot the way Jason Tatum can, or you were built like LeBron James, the way he played winning basketball is doing what Al Horford does because um, holy big fundamental 2.0. Um, all right. More of
3: this, please.
0: Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was great. Loved that. Uh, he did the searching for the ball turned salute for the audio-only people. All right, second question, uh, same go-around. Uh, I'll start with Alex first. The Miami Heat are going to win game five because...
2: Sorry, you're starting with me. The Miami Heat are going to win game five because uh, so the,
0: the third prompt is the Celtics are going gonna to win game five because
2: if the Miami Heat are going to win game <laughs> five, which I am a little dubious about, um, they are going to win it because Jimmy Butler is completely healthy, comes out and sets the tone early uh, and gets Bam out of bio unlocked. And both of those guys go for upwards of 20 points and um, force the Celtics into careless turnovers and get in their heads.
0: Justin, same question. The Miami Heat are going to win game five because...
3: There is no other reason why the Miami Heat are going to win game five. That is what they do. If they can do it, they will win, but... Also, I have some doubts about that being possible because they both need the Celtics to play bad, which they do, you know, to give the Heat the credit they deserve, a very good job of making you do. But at this point, it feels like the Celtics are pretty keen to the importance of ball control and defense over offense in this series. And I really don't have any faith that the Heat collectively, even if Jimmy is feeling better, I think that collectively they're banged up to the point where the combination of the two things, I don't think they're going to win game five. I think that it is possible. I don't think it is likely.
0: Hi.
1: Uh So for me, Heat, oh, is that for me now? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, for me, the Heat win game five, if Bam steps up, he doesn't need to have the 30 and 10 game, but he can get 20 and 10, That'll go a long way. Jimmy Butler needs to also probably be in that 20-point range, just somewhere around where Jason Tatum's at, and then it's just locking down on the defensive end. Like it, 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 is, it does feel reductive. There's not a lot of analysis to it, but like both of these are defensive teams and both rely upon max effort on those ends. Whichever team has the sense of urgency more, Celtics have it in game four, can the Heat have that better sense of urgency in game five? If they do, that, that's how they win this game.
0: Uh, I think Miami has two ways of winning or or they can do a combination of these two things right now. They're averaging about almost 10 fewer free throw attempts per game uh, to the Celtics. We talked about that. They don't really have the personnel to deal with that, but if they can get to the free throw line and get the Celtics in foul trouble early, that's going to be really important for the heat. Second, the heat just haven't shot the three ball particularly well. Um, They have a few guys who can shoot. Boston has a really tough perimeter defense. So it's easier said than done, but one of the reasons we're seeing so many big blowouts is because the three point shot provides so many booms and busts. Um, so you have teams that shoot crazy high numbers and they go up big and you have teams that can't hit the broad side of a barn and they go down big. Um, if Miami can get hot, no reason why they couldn't win a game. If uh, my at home, this is the number one seed we're talking about.
3: Obligatory note game four anomaly. What do you mean? The Celtics were terrible from three. Points oh yes, yes, yes. Oh, They're both true. were terrible. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah so it's most actually of, it, the best way to overcome being bad at three-point shooting is your opponent being bad at three-point shooting in the same game, right?
1: Yeah, like Miami dropped the two games that Miami dropped in the Philly series. Philly shot around fifty percent and from three, and Miami shot less than twenty-five percent, and that's pretty much the story of the Philly series as far as I'm concerned.
0: All right, uh, final question, Kyle from the heaters going to heat pod finish the sentence for me that Boston Celtics will win game five because
1: they stay locked in on defense. Like one of the things that stood out to me in game four uh, specifically, I was, when I was, I was doing some research for this, the second half Miami actually held Boston to no field goals for the last five and a half minutes. However, Boston got 10 free throws of yeah. 10 free mm-hmm. throws for 10 points, which matched Miami's 10 points because it could not get anything else going. And that essentially was the difference between, like, three and four. Three, Celtics were able to make that run and had some momentum going in there. In game four, Miami had the position to do it, but they couldn't because Boston was playing really great defense, especially in regards to not fouling. So the Celtics stay locked in. Tatum does his usual production. And to your point, like, just keep the turnovers manageable. That's how Celtics win game five. Justin?
3: Justin? Short memories. Game. Okay. Dig Short it. memories. Don't complain to the ref. Get back on defense. Don't make the same mistakes. Be patient. Short memories. Screw and keep up shooting. Exactly. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Just do what you do, and you should get where you need to get to. Alex, Celtics
0: win Game Five because.
2: Celtics win game five because they do not get hurt and they don't t- turn the ball over. If I mean, that's literally what it comes down to. The, if those, If those two things break the Celtics' way, if they manage to get Marcus Smart back, if they manage to get a full game out of Robert Williams, if they don't add any more injuries to their tallies, and if they just don't shoot themselves in the foot with careless turnovers and bad shot selection, they should win this game. They are the more talented team.
0: Yeah. In losses, the Celtics are averaging 20 turnovers a game In game three, a quarter of their possessions resulted in a turnover Um, and in wins, that number is significantly lower. Uh, Once again, the answer to this question was Al Horford, um, but thanks for trying. Uh, The Celtics are going to win because Al Horford is going to have a triple double. Um, No, actually I, I, from the Celtics side of the street, I think that Miami wins this game. Um, They're not, they're the number one seed. They have home cooking. And they are older and wiser, seemingly, just a little bit. Uh, so, health notwithstanding, if the injury gods smile favorably on Miami, I think that the Heat deserve to be favored in this game. I don't know offhand if they are. I mean, the injuries were a pretty big deal.
3: Um, you look a lot like Max Struz. Are we sure that that's not Max Struz on that? Hey,
0: Max Struz is a good looking guy. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, actually, I, I look like a property brother, according to some lady at CVS one time, but I'll take Strews. Um <laughs> Kyle, thank you for your time and your wisdom and for putting up with our inability to un- unmute ourselves. Um, any last thoughts on the series and this heat season if this is the last time we talked to you? So the big thing for me that was coming into this series, well, even this the season
1: in general, was just can the Miami Heat get some respect after, you know, they went through the 2020, they called bubble flukes. 2021, they get swept by Milwaukee. Everybody piles it on. Oh, they're flukes. They add to their core and Lowry come back, get the first seed, get all the way the Eastern Conference Finals. I hope, as far as I'm concerned, that everybody knows that the only bubble flukes were in Los Angeles and were lucky enough to walk away with a ring <laughs> for for their efforts. But um, no, just in general, I I have a lot of respect for the Celtics. I really do, especially after the series. Like Hawks, no, I had nobody on there. The Philly. Indeed, I had respect for playing through injury. Celtics, just I have a lot of respect. If they end up winning, I genuinely feel like it's because of the better team. And I hope that they win, they win the finals so that way I can at least say we lost the Definitely,
0: yeah, I'm looking forward to that on your behalf. Um, Justin, Alex, anything out of you?
2: Um, I just want to say that uh, I do respect the Miami Heat in terms of Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra and P.J. Tucker and Bam Adebayo and all those guys um, as basketball players. Um, I will be absolutely furious if the Miami Heat win the NBA title. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, I, psychologically, I need this team to win this series. So uh, with apologies, Kyle, you've been a great guest. I appreciate having you here. And I have immense respect for all those guys. Um, I, I need to see the Heat's downfall. You no, don't, don't like that <laughs>
3: like that buzz
1: on South beach.
2: Can't Come on, we'll have some
3: fun. <laughs> I don't have too much to add to that other than heat culture is real. And to hear a Celtics fan admit that, you know, it's annoying, but it's real.
0: Thank you. Uh, babe, we got some Spurs East culture here in Boston. Uh, all right, Kyle from the Heaters Gonna Heat podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks to everyone that's listening. And I'm sorry, I have to pause and say the fi- following. Sports are really stupid, and um, what happened today in Texas is really devastating. Um, So I, as a teacher and just a person, I I need to acknowledge how hard all of that is. So hopefully this was fun, but um, basketball's pretty dumb when you think about it. Um, So if I looked distracted during this podcast, it's just, I was distracted during this podcast. Um, Thoughts and
1: prayers don't mean much of anything without action.
0: Well said, Kyle. Um, So, sorry to end on that hideous bombshell, but um, felt asinine to not. So, thanks for listening, everyone, and um, we'll see you next time.